Hey, what's going on, guys? Get started in a minute. It is uh, just after 1 p.m. I had to switch the stream time today uh, to do it a little bit later. I actually switched it, and then uh, I switched it in advance thinking that I was going to run uh, into a time issue. And then it turns out that, well, I wouldn't be able to really run the stream as long as I wanted to. So we'll do the call-in first. Run the call-in for like uh, 30 minutes. So this is going to be a short call-in, so just keep that in mind. If you hop on, don't go asking like four or five different questions. <laughs> um, the Tuesdays and Thursday call-ins are shorter. The tomorrow's call-in is, is longer, so you guys should be aware of that by now. Anyway, um, we'll get started, go through this pretty quickly. You know, first shout out to the team at Colin, available on any platform you could think of now. If you're not subscribed to this show, make sure you do subscribe to it. Um, I've been consistently doing this every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. You know, it amounts to like two hours of my time throughout the week. I think it's really good for you guys, though, because I get a lot of comments. I get a lot of messages, direct messages, telegram messages, and I, I really can't. Um, I can't even begin to handle them on my own. I would need to handle, like, I would need to hire somebody to, to basically filter through my messages to even begin to catch up. Um, and you know, that's flattering, right? Cause I have a lot of people that reach out to me and I do want to, you know, I do want to help people. I talked about, you know, the entire bull market that I was going to put out content and stream and do things like this. And then I just, you know, I never got around to it. I was very flaky, but the market was one way and it was, you know, more important for me to be trading the market than to be doing stuff like this. And, you know, I don't want to say that and insult anybody, but you guys understand. Um, so make sure you subscribe, put this on alerts. Uh, if you, you know, if you're listening to this now and recording tomorrow, we have uh, another one at uh, 1 p.m. as well. Anyway, we have a stream today, though, like I said, change times. So the stream today is going to be at uh, 3 p.m. So stream today is at 3 p.m. That's on YouTube. Um, and yeah, so this, I mean, a couple things are just open it up, uh, after going over some brief points, um, we have CPI tomorrow. Uh, you know, I have, uh, I'm going to take a look at sort of game plan going into CPI or, you know, how I anticipate, um, CPI to respond, I would rather patterns of activity that led up to previous CPIs. If we could go off of something like that and we're looking at like the six hours leading into it, we might have an edge into you know, what kind of response we'll get right after, regardless of like 30 minutes out when the real trend kind of takes place. Talking about the, you know, immediate action post CPI release. Uh, it's, believe it or not, it's it's somewhat predictable, at least in the short term. Um, and if you missed the first trade, the second one is almost guaranteed. Um, so we'll talk about that. Um, you know, there's some interesting uh, points that have um, come out recently. Is obviously, this is the... Uh, we're going into, we're finishing the second quarter of the year. So here to date, you know, Bitcoin is down 36 plus percent. ETH is down 50 plus percent. Uh, large caps alt 50 percent. Mid cap alt 50 plus percent. You know, everything's getting hammered across the board. This is just year to date. Uh, stocks down almost 15 percent. Bonds down almost 10 percent. The only thing that is up is uh, is gold. This gold is up 2%. It's not the only thing that's up. Obviously, you look at oil, that's been a pretty one-way trip. Um, we're in, you know, basically, uh, it's been a commodity. So it looks like a commodity super cycle instead of a crypto super cycle that's actually taking place or beginning, rather. Um, and can't leave out, though. Yeah, I mentioned something yesterday. Uh, Chamath Palhapatia, his call earlier in the year, the, the trade for 2022 was going to be the spread between current payment rails so credit card companies, 
uh, like Visa, MasterCard, and Web3 crypto-based payment options, payment rails, right? So this spread would involve shorting MasterCard, shorting Visa, and buying, you know, a basket of, of crypto, um, you know, uh, crypto uh, currencies that more or less fall under that Web3 sort of payment uh, category. And that didn't turn out too well, right? And I followed that up right after talking about the broader market performance because Visa and MasterCard are actually... I think they're up 2% for the year too. So a lot of chop, but they're basically back at break even for um, for this year. But I want to open it up really quickly. Um, again, I said this will go on for 30 minutes, so we'll go on to around 140, and then I got to cut it, and then I will be going live again, like I said. I'll be going live on YouTube today at 3 p.m., and we're going to look over the charts, talk about you know more specific things for Bitcoin, ETH, and then some alts. I think we're at a point where it's worth... Uh, it's worth talking about some alts because there are some setups that look to be painting across the board, but they're not exactly satisfied yet. Right? Neither, neither. Uh, excuse me. They're not triggered yet. So we have uh, a little bit of progress that needs to be made before any of those um, come into play. So I'll open it up. Um, whoever wants to hop on, ask questions. Uh, again, Tuesdays, Thursdays, pretty brief. More of a Q and A. Not uh, much riffing in the beginning. Just cover some points. Um, but anyone, feel free to uh, to step up. I haven't. Um, I shared the other day. I had a. It was a great trading session, and then I ruined the entire day in basically one trade. So, for anyone who needs a reminder that right now it's not easy, um, it's a good one. You know, we're all human, and I fell uh, victim to lack of discipline. And it only takes one nasty mistake to sometimes wipe out an entire day's results. Uh, and you don't have to stop there, though, right? You could have one mistake wipe out an entire year's results. You could have one mistake wipe out your entire account. Um, so this is something that uh, caused me to sort of step back a little bit. I was rushing positions. Uh, I took a trade basically in the middle of nowhere. It wasn't around, you know, my trade is my trading is based on location, context, and value. So first having an area that I want to do business. And a lot of times price isn't around there, right? So the you know the feeling is sometimes when things are moving that you want to get involved. So if you are you know think a short is setting up or you think a long is setting up, sometimes you want to rush the entry because you're not quite certain if you'll if you'll reach the area where you'll actually know that where you know that that risk reward is a little bit more skewed in your favor. So I ended up doing this. I ended up positioning a little bit too early, and there wasn't anything really positioning wise. Um, that was caused for me to uh, to start fading this. So I ended up shorting a little bit too early. Um, there was no real loss of momentum or anything. Flow wasn't exactly like getting stopped. And I just, I rushed the trade size on a little bit too much too early. And uh, it moved pretty hard against me. And I wiped out what it was a, was a really good trading session very quickly. Uh, I don't let losses go beyond that though. It's not like I am like hanging on to something, hoping to get back to, to even for the day. When that happens, I'm just done for the day. Like, no matter what, it's important to have loss limits, it's important to be able to, like, it's completely, without breaking a keyboard, step away from the computer and uh, and do something else, honestly. It's really important to do something else. So, guys, whoever wants to uh, hop on, don't be shy. This is the shyest one we've had so far. Usually you have a couple people looking to uh, step on and talk. Tomorrow, it's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to ask earlier on. I'm going to ask earlier on who wants to be a speaker, go through my little, you know, preamble, and then uh, it'll be more or less uh, an open discussion. So I want to save that for tomorrow and, and just run through this one, uh, the, the um, you know, normal way that we go about Tuesdays and Thursdays. 
So unless you guys can't hear me, <laughs> I saw thumbs up. Everyone's just, um, everyone's tired, huh? Everyone's kind of more or less worn out with this action. I mean, it's, it's okay. It's, it's a, I can't say, so there's a lot of people that say things like, ah, no one should trade this market. I say that. I say you shouldn't trade this market. I feel like I'm talking to a lot of people that probably shouldn't. I'm not just talking to you guys specifically. I'm just saying, for the most part, I feel like that's a proper thing to assume. Uh, but it is a great trading market right now, except for the fact that it's a little bit thinner and you have to be, you have to update your uh, sizing and your positioning with respect to that. All right, PBJ, what's up, man? How's it going? You might uh, be on mute still, bud. Okay, sorry. I, I was talking and my was mute. Hey, how are you? Uh, doing great, sir. Uh, sir, uh, actually, you took the same trade. I also entered the same conviction uh, in the middle of <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> but I did not actually, but my stop loss was uh, pretty, pretty tight. Uh, I was not able to recover from that position. But uh, how were you able to cope up with that loss? What's that? That last part again? Say that again. Okay. So, mindset on that loss, how you recover? How, how to recover that? I'm sorry. You're cutting out for a second. <coughs> Am I audible? Yeah, I can hear you now. Sorry. Okay, sorry, sorry. From my, uh, I mean, when you lose that trade, how you recover from that mentality and get back to your uh, original state of mind where you trade properly? Oh, okay. Great question. So the, one of the most important things is to really understand your, your system to begin with. And I don't just mean like your system with how you get into positions and, you know, what method you're using, but like your expected results over time. Like I know that I'm a profitable trader. I know that there are periods when it's probably better for me not to trade. I know that I could probably say that I, I'd probably save a little bit more heartache if I decided to just not trade during this time, but I really enjoy trading it's a more difficult game right now, right? So it's just, there's times when the game is really easy. There's times when it's really difficult. I still trade because I really enjoy trading. I enjoy playing the game. I know that I'm a profitable trader when times are difficult still. I know that it just requires me to adapt. Um, and I have to take my medicine and sort of bite the bullet, so to speak. Um, that's like a, a phrase we use here. Uh, and it's, it's like, I have to accept that there are certain things I have to do. There are things like me sizing down, um, the way that I, you know, the, the types of trades that I take, I can't be taking, uh, the trades that are not necessarily high probability trades anymore. I should really just wait for the really good trades that might be coming a little bit less frequently. I know my system though, right? I know that I am due to expect a certain amount of losses. I know that markets are, there's a large, there's a significant amount of randomness in them. I know that they're not purely random because markets trend, right? There are periods where markets trend and markets are not completely efficient and they're clearly not exactly random in those, in those times. Um, I know there's a ton of variance. So I know that like, no matter what, there are times when I could do everything right and it still doesn't matter. It's, it's sort of like if you're playing poker, you could play poker and you could get great starting hands and still not play well. Right. You could still you could start off with a pair of aces and lose to someone who just gets, you know, royal flush. Right. And it's like, hey, it's just variance. Right. These are things that you have to deal with. So setups, you try to obviously create a method or a system around certain edges that you have where you can skew, you know, certain setups and probability or you can skew things in your favor based on 
you know, certain setups occurring more probable, you know, having a higher probable, probable, sorry, I need to drink some more water, having a higher probable likelihood of occurring, but still you have to deal with randomness. So again, that's just something that I understand. And it's easy to say those things, right. And just, you know, be a motivational person say, Hey, you just have to understand this is the things you're going to deal with. Dealing with them is where the trouble lies, right? Because we all have these base level emotions. So, you know, when I, I, I can say like, hey, you know, after you take a certain amount of losses, you should step away. But even when I'm doing that, I still feel that, you know, that pull of, oh, I just want to stick it out a little bit longer. But I know from experience, the times when I actually try to like fight the market, like let's say I have a bad morning. The times when I try to fight the market, I just have a worse day. So I know that a bad, a really bad morning can turn into a horrible day. And I know they all start like that, right? So it's sort of like you have to like play the tape to the end of the movie, right? You know how the movie starts, you, you know, you, you, you just have to think, okay, I know how this began last time, play it in your head mentally to the end. And you know, the outcome, like the outcome is never going to be good. So what you have to do is no matter what, like one of the most important things for a trader is to get good at losing. Because you're going to lose a lot. It's like if you're a baseball player, you're not hitting you're not hitting a majority of the pitches. You're hitting like a third of them, right? A great hitter hits a third of them, right? Or or more, uh, just over a third of them, right? Batting three fifty or four hundred. Okay, that's that's not hitting. It's not hitting even more than half of the pitches that come their way. So it's just something that you have to understand, and and you have to be able to take those losses because by being able to take those losses, you're ensuring that at least you'll you'll potentially be around to set up to, you'll be around to take those winning trades. Like you have to be able to, you have to have money at the table to continue to play poker, right? But the benefit of playing, of trading versus playing poker is to trade, you don't have to pay to sit at the screen, right? To play poker, you have to pay up, right? You have to pay yes. the lines, you have to pay to be at the table. So it's just, it takes a long time to be able to accept a loss. Like for example, you know, you start, I start off a, a great day and it's great and it's, it's very mechanical and it's nothing extraordinary. It's not like I made a ton of money, but it was, I was hitting. And then I have one trade where it all goes south and I end that day because I know it, it's, it can and likely would get worse. And I, you know, I sit on it for the day and I'm thinking this sucks. And what you do is you try to see where you went wrong. There are some times where you could very easily see, oh, this is what I did. And I'm an asshole for doing that. Like, why the fuck did I do that? Then there's other times where it was just randomness, right? And you can't go trying to fix that because you, you can't, as much as you want, you can't prepare for randomness. You just have to make sure you're not overly committed to positions and your sizing is appropriate because you don't want to start going to look for, you know, you don't want to fix too much, right? If you have a system that works statistically, if you have one thing that goes wrong and you go back to fix it, it's like, you don't know if that was just a matter of happenstance, right? You don't know if you should be fixing that or changing anything yet. So this just all comes with time. Right, and understanding your system. Yeah, actually that day when I took the loss, I literally went through a whole course again, rewatched it again, and then uh, went back to uh, again took analysis and saw some value area, some spot, and okay, then I would like uh, see that okay, I was pretty wrong there. Then I realized okay, so I need to get back again. Yeah, and that's it's important that one of the best things you could do. Um, and, and right now happens to be a time when it applies to both the low time frame and the high time frame is to just journal things, right? After you make a mistake, write down what mistake you made, right? So make sure that you, when you write things down, 
there's something about writing that that's been part of just civilization for the longest time where it hits a part of your brain that just typing it doesn't. So the process of writing is, I think it's just proven to, to be more ingrained in your memory and to be more impactful. And for me, I write something, I say it out loud. I do everything I can to really just get the point stuck in my head. Um, but, and journaling is just so important anyway, because like times like this, especially it's really important to journal when, you know, you're at peak areas and markets in the market cycle. So whether you're during a really euphoric period or you're really bearish period right now to record everything and write down like the emotions you're experiencing and the feelings you had, because you'll be able to look back at that and say like, Oh, I remember the last time I was, you know, hopefully you'll be able to sell the next highs. Right. Because you know, Oh, the last time I was really euphoric and thought things would never get better, you know, never end for a couple of weeks straight. Like we were due for a, a pullback. Right. And the same thing can be said probably around here. If it wasn't for the fed and stocks, the market looks like it should by all means bounce at some point, but we'll see. But yeah, journaling everything is probably most important for, for a multitude of reasons. Yes, sir. Thank you. And uh, again, I watched the uh, course uh, also. So thanks for the course. Have of a great course. Day. Good talking to you, buddy. Yeah, I mean, the course you give it that I rewatched it again. That's that's good. That's good. It's important to, to, you know, just repetition is important, whether you're trading or you're an athlete or you're learning a new language. So have a great day, sir. Thank you. You too. Mike, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, man? Hey, sorry, I was muted. I, uh, the, the, the good old rookie mistake. Um, <laughs> hey, so quick question. So obviously CPI is a big catalyst for what's going on in the markets right now. Um, I know that obviously if it's higher than expected, it's probably going to be bad for the markets. If, and you know, obviously there's gradients to this. It's not like, oh, like if CPI does, is lower than expected, then obviously we're going to the moon. But how do you perceive like a lower CPI and how that's going to probably affect the market in, you know, the next week before FOMC? I mean, I, so the thing about, it's a weird, it's a weird position right now because like you want to say like a lower CPI means that things are working you know, the possibility of the Fed, the Fed being dovish and maybe pulling off or thinking that there's not as many rate hikes necessary or just going about letting the balance sheet roll off and actively selling it, that that would be higher. And you think, okay, that would be favorable. So then markets respond really positively. The one thing that the Fed actually doesn't really care for right now, what is a sign of still inflation is asset inflation. And honestly, every time the market bounces, it's not something the Fed wants to take place. So as silly as that sounds, um, the Fed doesn't like the fact that the market will rally on a slight, you know, a slight improvement in that number because it's still it's just more signs that there's there's, you know, there's asset inflation. There's excess money that uh, that still is, you know, uh, reflected and, and, and hasn't been necessarily worked out. And that reverse wealth effect hasn't completely uh, hasn't completely taken place. And that's not like the most popular thought, but it, it, there's good reason to think that. So the Fed doesn't necessarily like the market rally. I think the. So one thing that the White House has kind of done in the last year, which is kind of weird, and the Fed has done this too, and it's never done this before, is uh, like be kind of really specific with what's going to take place at the next meetings. Like this happened, like the, the first couple meetings of the year um, and maybe the last two more recent ones, I think basically Powell said exactly what was going to happen. And then it was like on you whether or not you trusted, wh whether or not that was like psyops or not. But they basically telegraphed it more than they ever have. And then the White House has done something different where the White House has kind of set them, set people up for expectations that things were going to get worse. 
And the last time that the White House came out with like uh, anything with respect to employment or anything with respect to inflation, they've said like, oh, it's, you know, we're expecting higher, you know, be prepared, blah, blah, blah. And then it's been the opposite. It's been either in line or it's been an improvement. So it's almost like I feel like they're to a degree, like maybe helping the markets price things in a little bit better rather than surprising. Um, but the markets have they've tried to do as good of a job as they can to price things in anyway. Um, the one thing that was difficult to price in was like the rate and the intensity with, with respect to QT. Uh, and now we're just beginning that. Right. So, I mean, in my opinion, like I'm not trying to, it's, I'm not like, this is not my forte. Like I'm not, some people I can really give you like a, a huge summary on whether or not it comes in 10 basis points higher or lower. I'm honestly just looking at how the market is going into it the first couple hours, because that's been more or less, at least with crypto, we know like short term positioning gets punished in the hours preceding, like the, the early morning hours, six hours up, eight hours out. What we've seen is like any trend into it. So any trend into CPI has completely reversed. And then it's a matter of first moves a fake out, second moves a real move. So the last CPI, it was first move was a fake out. Second move was the real move in terms of being a big move. But then second move actually led to a longer term move. So I'm just studying past CPIs, understanding that now as we move along, the market's going to be a little bit different in pricing each one in. Um, obviously, there's more of a surprise in the earlier CPIs. The market's kind of adjusted better as the as the years moved on. Um, but it's it's. Basically, like I, I'm looking at it right now and thinking, okay, so right now we're coiling. Um, if we go into CPI, if you go into CPI and it's a bad number, like all bets are off, the market's not going to respond positively. So let's say that, you know, what the White House said is true and CPI comes in like burning and we're well above or, you know, we're even a couple points above, honestly. If it's worse, we're in a bad position. Any kind of short-term move would still probably result in the downside move. If you didn't get a downside move, like let's say CPI comes in hotter and the market does not, you know, shit a brick in that moment. Well, I mean, that's this might be a sign that's really worth paying attention to then that maybe the market is clearly bottoming right here. Because if bad news like that can't bring the market lower, then we've probably seen, you know, anyone who really wants to sell and materially have left this market. If CPI comes in in line, um, you know, I'm just going to kind of you know, follow flow. I don't necessarily know what that means, right? It means that things haven't, I think if it comes in line, it's more likely to be, uh, you know, the risk is still to, the risk is still um, to the downside. If it comes in lower, you're going to see, you know, probably a good amount of sideline capital help out what would still be a bear market rally. I mean, I've talked to a, a couple people, um, one of them who is, um, he's a really well-known guy on, uh, he's a, a recent guy to crypto Twitter. He's a Goldman guy. And he talks, um, he was in on a, a Druckenmiller call. He was on, on a Druckenmiller call yesterday. And uh, I was like, hey, man, would you, do you have the transcript to that call? One, like, I'm like a super fanboy of Druckenmiller, always have been. Uh, and two, I'd like to know what, what he's thinking. So Druckenmiller is, is like 5% net short equities. And, but he's worried about a bear market rally. So the market is kind of set up for a rally. You know, he, he's not short bonds. For the first time in 18 months, he's long a lot of commodities. Um, the, the market is set up for a rally. Like not, this is the thing, like we have everything that you could every, ever ask for in terms of a bottom of bottom signals. And it's hard, you know, you say that and it's like, ugh, you've heard every person on crypto Twitter 
a couple people more specifically say that for the entire fucking move down from 60k but we have almost everything now lining up to where the market if the fed if the it, like if we were like on our own right now and this is like no fed no you know larger change in equities and we weren't necessarily worried about um the macro the market bottoms by all but for all intents and purposes bottoms on its own you have um positioning both in options and futures very pessimistic very defensive you have super oversold conditions now for weeks on end so not just like warning shot sign not like the first time it's a warning shot this is like progressively oversold we have the narrative that is so defeated every major you know uh media publication anyone who could even gain any press at all has been writing crypto off kramer finally getting more bearish right and then you have something that has been uh pretty hallmark of highs and lows which is the magazine cover effect which sounds silly but it 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 really has worked um and that's barons for example saying crypto winner is here the last time barons put out magazine covers for crypto was april 2021 october 2021 and december 2017 and these were the exact highs and and it's like finally you're reflecting every single person in the market being for the trend so when you have every media publication every person on twitter you know option, actual positioning reflecting this as well it's like well where are you going to get the supply to sell because i tell you what there's actually there are significant counterparties that are buying spot on binance on bitfinex uh in you know on perps as well but they're not just spoofing they're actually getting filled for we're talking about the tune of you know 2000 btc a clip they're getting filled so 2000 btc you know you do the math we're at 31,000, you know, 30,000 bucks right now. They're filling tranches of 60 million 60 million contracts in futures uh or no, excuse me, in in spot. So it's reasonable to assume that if if we get something that's semi decent tomorrow and maybe even slightly lower and it's not like again, it's not really hot, that the markets are honestly set up for a rally and I know that's kind of been said uh, plenty of times but it's not just crypto now. It's it's equities that look like they're doing a really good job of holding this level. So, I'm sorry that was long winded, Mike. But <laughs> hopefully, you no. Know, that's 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 exactly. I, I, I my follow up question was going to be, you know, if it comes in a little bit lighter, then I mean, it, it sounds like if to summarize, you just got to play. You got to flow with it. I mean, the market will always decide what they want to decide. That's this year too. That's like been the theme, right? It's like. We have an idea, sort of like a, a, a schematic of how we're going to approach things, but it's the market has been just you have to adapt every other day. It yeah. seems like it's somewhat predictable, and then it's like you're getting a bunch of one-off, one-time events where it's like, oh, all right, so this is the one time that it, you know, completely throws a curveball, and then you think that you have that like in the rear view already, and then you get another curveball, and it's just the year. It's honestly, unless the Fed completely pivots, this is what it's going to be until they explicitly pivot it's just going to be this over and over again and like oh all right now we have a breather of two weeks and then we have the next fomc coming up you know or we you know we have this one coming up next week but then we have like these little windows of time in between where maybe the market can do its own thing right so fun year fun year yeah yeah um obviously always thank you for uh for your time man and uh yeah good talking to you man yeah absolutely have a good rest of your day you too bud take care all right, Christopher. And then we're going over 30. What's up, buddy? Bon- Buongiorno. Hope all is good. 
It is. Likewise. Hope you're doing well as well. All good. Um, I had a question. I don't know if you saw the European uh, rates came out today. And uh, yeah, if you think that's going to impact anything. And also, I, I know it's not maybe not your area of expertise, but if the Fed can't fight inflation, isn't the pension funds and like the real big money going to have problems uh, if that happens? Yeah, I mean, you would think that uh, you would think that the I mean, pension funds and and 401ks and the likes have problems, period, you know, because markets are just down across the board. Um, and like something like the 6040 has been destroyed between bonds getting smashed and, and equities getting smashed as well. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if necessarily the Fed cares too much, honestly, about uh, portfolios as much as maybe they have in the past and therefore pension funds. Um which is something that I think a lot of people and myself included, like, it's just natural. You think like, you know, earlier in the year, it's like, well, are they going to hurt people that much? And then you find out like eh, the average amount of money in a, you know, it sounds, you know, to think of it this way, it kind of still sounds like a little bit abrasive, but oh, the average 401k is like 50,000. So what's another 20% drop, right? Um, that, that is a lot of money for a lot of people, but still, I mean, they haven't cared. My thoughts were earlier in the year, thinking like, oh, pension funds, 401ks, retirement accounts, like they're not going to destroy the market that much because you're hurting people's futures. Well, honestly, the the number one concern uh, on the minds of voters uh, and the mind of the Fed and the White House is inflation because that's hurting them as well right now, right? So it's like, it's, it's a very difficult situation right now. And unfortunately, you know, well, I mean, the truth is people aren't buying bread and milk and gasoline with Apple stock. Right. They're buying it with the cash they actually have on hand. And, and you have to make sure that you're preserving the value of that um, for, for most of the working class. Uh, as far as uh, the ECB, um, I spent uh, most of the morning away. I mean, I they ended uh, what was what an era of low rates. Right. Um, I, I think that, uh, yeah, this is clearly there's this is a whole global phenomenon right now. Um but I don't pay too much to what takes place uh, with the ECB. Um, it's not something I focus on. This is not something like I focused. I never focused on this stuff as much until this year. Like when I traded equities, when I traded crude back in the day, um, I was aware of macro events. Like that's what you were concerned with, especially if you're like more of a catalyst trader. It's like, okay, you know, your non-farm payroll, your CPI, your FMC, um, your employment number, but uh, I never spent this much time thinking about everything and anything. This is more like of what like someone who's trading foreign exchange markets um, who is purely macro driven has been always concerned with. And so for me, it's never been my area of competence. So I've, I've been doing a lot of catching up, honestly. And it, this has been, you know, I am years into doing this. And this has been like the most uh, university level year I've had. <laughs> I want to say it's not necessarily the case. I feel like there's a couple of years in the last in the last 15 where it's been like that, but um, done a lot of learning this year and uh, paying attention to what's taking place globally has been um, more of a priority this year than any other. So I'm still catching up. So no, I haven't focused uh, enough, I guess, on ECB and, and markets outside. So. Right. And I have just one last question that, um, well, earlier in the week, we had a lot of volatility and now it seems like it's kind of failed. <laughs> We're not moving as much on BTC. Uh, yeah. Would this also be indicative of uh, 
waiting for the feds. Uh, oh yeah, tomorrow. Sure. Yeah, totally. Then, you have three inside days, so. Yeah, and then you're setting up for a big move, I suppose, in most likely both directions. And I don't know, maybe you'll go through it on the stream. Yeah, I am going over uh, the exact setups and looking at it in the stream. I'm not really going to focus much on the high time from it all. It just gets boring. But I feel like I feel like every time I do a stream, I never know if there's like someone who is new on the stream watching for the first time. So you got to kind of go through the motions in the beginning. But it gets so tiring because it's like we've been looking at the same charts. Most of us have been looking at the same charts for like years now. But the chart has been the same now for this year, like six months. It's like change, it changed once, but now it's just gone back into a range. But um, yeah, I think we're just tightening up into CPI. A lot of anyone who is of significance is is probably de-risking unless you have some kind of massive edge. No one's really. I'll tell you, I've been in. I am in a couple of the. Uh, I'm in a couple chats where it's basically every who's who you can imagine in this market. People that like um, I have like you know admiration for it. Um, you know, phenomenal traders, portfolio managers. No one has a clue. Like no one has consistently had a clue for this entire year. Some people have gotten lucky for, you know, one call or another, but we're all basically in the same boat. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're definitely, most people are de-risking. I would assume uh, if, if it comes to any futures positions leading into CPI, you know, that's like leading the volume. So we have a ton of coiling. Like if you look at the 7th, the 8th, the 9th, we have this rush. We have this sort of Russian doll inside day structure. The 8th is inside of the 7th. Today we'll probably finish inside of yesterday. And then... Because of that, the, the the trade, the acceptance trade should be really easy. But I, I still think, you know, the fact that this is leading up to, you know, you have you have CPIs that don't necessarily have this kind of balance structure going in sometimes. So I would still not really uh, confirm any longer term move outside, you know, within the first hour of the release of the uh, data, like outside of an hour. You know, it's usually like a half hour. You have more cert- you know, certainty after all that washing is done out between algos and short-term traders and, and just the volatilities work itself out. But outside of an hour, you probably have more of an honest interpretation of what the actual, you know, what the market thinks and how the market has disseminated the uh, the news. So, Yeah, because it looked like we had a nice bottom forming with the long week on the 26th, I think it was. Yeah. And then, yeah, I was just favoring the upside because I was thinking it would be more liquidity up there, but I suppose we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully yeah. we uh, hopefully we get something that, that lasts. Hopefully we have something, honestly, that moves up because this market yeah, is much I mean, more of a pleasant place when, when the market's moving up and everyone's happy and, you know, like we get it. We, the media, we, we know how the media works, like narrative falls price. And it's just like, all right, I'm, I'm tired of reading like, horrible stories about how crypto is terrible and there's like so many hacks now and that stuff happens during the bull market too, but you just, it's not the focus, right? But it's, it's on the radar and under the microscope right now because of prices being suppressed. So. Yeah. It was one last question. Maybe since it seems like a lot of consumers are using a lot of credit cards and having a bit of a credit crunch at the moment. Do you think that yeah. really matters to the market or is it mostly the big players that actually move the market? I mean, I think that it's most of the big players. I don't know how much retail presence is in the market anymore. Um, you know, that is troubling though, right? When leverage is really high. Uh, but, but people actually still have a significant cushion in terms of savings. Uh, I know that's skewed based on certain income brackets, but not necessarily something that I'm, 
like worried about for our market right now. I think the the pressing issue is just inflation and and uh, the first thing I just want to pay attention to is equities and and inflation and CPI tomorrow. And, and I know that you know the you know <clears throat> the um, credit card debt is is up there. Um, I, I feel like I get a credit card in the mail every day. Like everybody I know, it's the same thing. Like getting off credit card offers, you know, constantly. Um, so, you know, there's still, uh, there, there, I think there are other things that I'm thinking of more than that. It's like, that's never been something I focus on. So I don't want to act like I, I start to look into those things. <laughs> yeah. It's probably best not to, since you said the big players move the market, but yeah, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, have a nice continuous day. You too, Christopher. All right. All right. So we are over uh, 30 minutes and, um, we're going to wrap it up. And I see the comments. I wonder if the Fed even cares about pain. If they don't get inflation under control, the real pain coming worse than what they're causing now. That's right. I mean, right now, they clearly don't necessarily worry about the pain that's being inflicted on markets because, if anything, that's one of that's the shadow tax, right? Inflation is the shadow tax. The reverse wealth effect is a tax. Um, and it's, it's part of their goal, honestly. So like I was saying earlier, when markets are rallying, Jay Powell is not happy because that just precludes more inflation. So... All right, guys, we are going to wrap it up. Thank you for tuning in. Always a pleasure. Tomorrow is uh, the longer call-in, and I have a stream today at 3 p.m. So be sure to tune in there because I am going to be uh, doing something different over the summer. So I'm going to be talking about that briefly, talk about the low time frame, talk about a plan going to CPI, and we'll wrap it up. I don't want to take too much of your time. So if you're not going to make it, it's recorded And uh, I appreciate you coming in. Appreciate all of you. Have a fantastic evening. And for those of you who won't make it, have a great weekend.